Welcome to Protecting Your Assets, the show about protecting people, property, and most importantly, protecting your ass. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano, and I'd like you to join me for a fast-paced and often fiery discussion about security issues with my co-host, Brian the Angry Man Claimant. Whether we're piercing the veil of security, talking your duty of care, or raving about the latest technology, we'll share our thoughts on the issues, the trends that are impacting security today and into the future. So grab a coffee and join us for our latest podcast every second Monday. And don't forget to like and follow us on our sponsor's website, brianclayman.com. And now let's talk about protecting your assets. Hello and welcome to Protecting Your Assets. I'm your host, Lucky Luciano Cedroni, and with me is Brian the Angry Man Clayman. Uh, welcome to episode three of Protecting Your Assets. Uh, this week we're going to get uh, into a bit of a heated discussion over the current COVID mess that's impacting the world, and, but obviously more specifically we're going to talk about what's going on in Canada, and we're going to relate that or the lessons that are being learned from how it's being managed back to the business owners and see if we can give you some takeaways from today's podcast that uh, hopefully will better prepare you for your own uh, disaster management or crisis management needs when uh, when things go wrong. But uh, as usual, before we get into the conversation, I'm going to turn it over to, to, to my good friend Brian for some initial comments and uh, open it up with uh, what's been on his mind since the last time we've talked. Well, before we get into COVID, let me start off my anger rant by saying that uh, hopefully, or let me apologize on behalf of Luciano for the crummy quality of the last uh, podcast. We've done some engineering. We have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think it was Italian lira, which isn't worth a lot, into finding an engineering solution. And I think finally... Uh, we uh, have fixed the sound issues. At the very least, looking at the setup that Luciano has with his microphone, it looks like I'm uh, talking to News Talk 1010 with all the sophisticated stuff. Amazing what you can get from Amazon for $13.46. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think the sound uh, quality should be better this time. Let's hope so, because I'm tired of hearing you complain. <laughs> COVID, holy smokes, <laughs> I think. We are close. You know, I there is so much to talk about, but we're going to talk about COVID. I'm thinking about what's happening in the U.S., but it really is the era of the revolution, where polarization is gone bananas. People, uh, rule of law doesn't seem to exist anymore. And if you look in Toronto in the last little while, we've got a full lockdown in Toronto and Peel. York isn't in a full lockdown. We've got Black Friday yeah. today, where apparently York Region, Public Health, and Bylaw Enforcement are out the force to uh, make sure birds from Toronto appeal, don't enter stores in York. It is just a mess. People are fed up. We had a revolution at Tovico over some ribs and chicken the other day. Guy let off in handcuffs. It really is an interesting time, and there's a lot to parse back and talk about of things that have been done right, things that have been done uh, wrong, and the issue of COVID fatigue. Oh, don't get me started on that, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Absolutely. Probably less than a few seconds because I know you've been raring to go on this topic. We have some fundamental differences as to how the crisis management team has uh, has has managed the, the issue. Um, we've talked about it in previous episodes um, in terms of best practices and, and what we thought some of the challenges were with, with our leaderships or lack of leadership 
So I'm interested in getting into that the conversation. Uh, so let's start that discussion, Brian. An overview, like for me, I think the the fact that all these things have happened, I think part of it is is more than just the COVID issue. I, I would say that there seems to be no more middle ground in, in this society. It's it's extremes on everything, whether it be you know the ice cream that you want to eat, to political parties, to the way society deals with people. There's no middle ground or common sense. It seems to have gone out the window, and I think that that's played into this COVID disaster as well. But the leadership hasn't helped matters. They've been inconsistent. They've been all over the map and they continue to be all over the map. I mean, you just said Vaughn is still open. I think they're going to be locked up by the end of the weekend. I saw the the lineups in the malls this morning on the news. Of course, the news is all over it because there's nowhere else to go. You're just attracting everybody to the, to those locations. Um, and I just don't see that as a, as a, as a feasible uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Are you the angry man or am I the angry man? <laughs> you are talking so fast, there are sparks coming out of your mouth. Slow it down because I'm trying to take notes here so I can respond. Okay, Brian, <laughs> I saw the lineups oh, this morning. Wait. Yes. <laughs> they were absurd. And if people think that Peel Region and Toronto are the only zones that are going to remain locked down heading into uh, December now, they're kidding themselves. Looking at this government, the way they're running things, it is an absolute lockdown for the country at some point before Christmas, before uh, before December 25th. It's, and and that's that's the reality. I don't see any alternatives because they don't present any alternatives. That is that is it, one or the other. Okay, <laughs> for start. Okay, let me just talk about because we've talked about this a lot over the last year uh, about. I know it's been almost a year, isn't that it, sickening? It, it, it's depressing. It it is, it is, about uh, communications all over the place, okay? And they keep changing their mind. I vehemently disagree. There has been, at least for the last four to six months, a common message theme. Wash your hands, socially distance, and wear a damn mask. The communications have been consistent. The spin is all over the place, okay? And there's a lot of reasons for that. You talk about polarization. You look especially at the U.S. versus Canada. In Canada, we've done a better job than the Americans, but mm-hmm. albeit there's, especially in the last little while, it's starting to fracture. But there's been a national st- strategy or more of a national strategy. So we've been consistently trying to message uh, the same way across the country. We've had lockdowns across the country. Everyone around the country, at least in government and public health, is talking about the social distance, the wash your hands, your mask. We've been consistent with that. It's all the Facebook certified experts and all the conspiracy theorists that keep saying and spinning the messaging. The messaging has been consistent. I think the problem has been is that government now, especially in the last month or so as it's spiking, is having to deal with the issue of COVID fatigue. And COVID fatigue is real, but we've got to get over it. And we've got to get over it because it doesn't matter how hot you are and you want to go swimming and you got to get in the water. The great white shark is still in the water. And it doesn't matter that you need to cool off. If you get in the water, you do it at your peril. And the fatigue thing, you know, I would just go back to the greatest generation. And it's not that I was part of that generation, although I'm a little bit older than you, my friend. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I read about it. You look at the people that served in World War II, the people that answered the draft, well, okay, and went overseas. If you look at people that were uh, prisoners of war or in the Holocaust in concentration camps, they too had fatigue. They too had enough. 
and they wanted to get out of the POW camp or wanted to get out of the concentration camp. But the prison handlers had other things in mind. They had to deal with it. I understand that people are getting fatigued, but that's not a positive or constructive response to the fact that the virus is still here. And the fact is the virus thrives on your fatigue. Because when you're fatigued, you let your guard down and you let your guard down, the numbers spike. Our numbers are going the wrong direction. The American numbers are at 180 degrees spike going straight up. Yeah. So fatigue or not, it changes nothing. It may explain behavior, but we got to remember in the movie Airplane when mm-hmm. uh, with uh, what's his name Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, and he's starting to freak out because the plane's going down, and they slap I think the pilot yeah. in the face. <laughs> I think we got to slap people in the face. I understand it's hard. I really do. But panic and fatigue is not going to cut it. Uh, well, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I just think that it's more than fatigue. I think there's been a colossal failure from government uh, by not providing consistent messaging. You say, yes, that they've always said wear the mask. After they figured out that you should wear a mask, they've stayed on that on that track. So we can give them credit there. But this whole hit a piecemeal approach to locking down facilities, businesses, ad hoc decisions based on data that they haven't shared with anybody. And then they expect people to blindly follow their direction. That's been all over the place is not, it's, it's just not acceptable. And you talk about the great generation. Well, okay. The great generation also had great leadership. Okay. There wasn't a, there wasn't an option for people to either to all, oh, if you, you can go over to Germany, if you want, maybe when you feel like it on Sunday, Right. It was like you're either going to war yeah. or you're not going to war. You're either going to do this or you're not doing this leadership is a joke. They sit there. They don't even know themselves what the hell they want to do. And then you got idiots like you can't remember who the governor was in the U.S., but basically issued a lockdown on the Monday, got on a plane and went over to California to spend the weekend with their with their family on the Tuesday. So what are you telling people? How can you expect them to respect you? How can you expect them to say, I got to trust the government when the government sends out signals like that? And that's where I take issue. Well, I, listen, and I, I, I take issue also, and I think what happens is the trust capital has has been used up. It's gone. So yeah, it's been gone. So you're you're entirely right. You know, you know, I I I'm really a student of military history, and I like reading memoirs of famous generals. And I just finished one called Chaos about. Uh, I, I've talked about this. It's about the General Mattis, you know, mm-hmm. four-star Marine Corps general in the States. Is he giving you royalties on that book? <laughs> yeah, available on Amazon <laughs> or at audible.com. Yeah, but but one of the things he says is that it's important in the Marine Corps that when you're in battle that your troops follow you instantaneously They because ha- you have to build up that trust capital. But then you have to replenish that trust capital as the battle goes on. The decisions you make have to be the right decisions, so they'll continue not to challenge or question. I agree with what you. What you say is, I think we started off in Canada really well. Both federal government. And I'm not a fan of this prime minister, mm-hmm. but I think originally he did a, a very good job, and he had my support. And the Ontario premier did a really good job. I think where they have been failed recently is, you know, you know, in, um, uh, we always talk about in emergency management, it's a marathon, it's not a uh, sprint. And you have to pace yourself and you have to break it down to actionable items, uh, actionable uh, steps. steps in uh, instant periods. And I think what's happened, this has gone longer than anyone expected. I think if you talk about COVID fatigue, I think there's leadership fatigue. I think people are just physically tired. I think people are emotionally tired. I think leaders are under incredible pressure because there's real pressures 
from the uh, uh, health community, about the collapse of hospitals, about the economy. I think you talked about optics. Optics are real. The, 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 the idea of a small guy who's worked his whole life to make a business, a yeah. pizza parlor or a beauty salon, to lose it and then see the Hudson Bay Company or Staples or, or Walmart still open because under a loophole that they're selling groceries so you could also buy a lawnmower. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I think they keep stumbling and they're not correcting themselves. And I think one of the principles of emergency management is to set out a plan, have a uh, instant, uh, an, an operational period that's going to last a defined period of time, reassess how you did, and then reset the plan. And to your point, communicate to the stakeholders and the public is one of the stakeholders what you're doing why you're doing how long you're going to do it for i think we started off strong i think that they're not following the basics and that's causing them to fail miserably and when you fail the people that you lead lose confidence and then it gets harder and harder to lead and we're seeing yeah. that very clearly throughout north america but even in toronto with the guy let off in handcuffs the the restaurant uh, uh, operator i got a lot of thoughts about this guy and i'll talk about that in a second but i think that's what's happening here i think a lot of innocent people are feeling i've yeah. got nothing left to lose i either die of covid or i die of bankruptcy yeah, and yeah. my family and th that's real yeah and that's where i think we sort of defer in our, in our approaches because to me i have been a and continue to be a strong supporter proponent of opening the damn economy up people are stupid if you're too stupid to follow directions that government is giving you then if you suffer the ramifications, and if you're at risk, then stay home. But to kill everyone, uh, certainly the smaller players, because you take a hammer to a nail because it's the only freaking tool you have, and that's what the government's doing. They just come back with this lockdown. Okay, so we locked down for two weeks, three weeks. Who's to say it's going to be done in two, three weeks? That Once you open up again, it's going to start spreading again. Sure will, yeah. So what are they going to do? It's, it's a ridiculous freaking argument to, to lock everybody down, first of all. And secondly, I'm really feeling for... Those businesses, not the goofs like this this brick house guy, because yeah. I've heard the stories and I, I know some people who are familiar with that group that was there. And yeah. They are a joke. They're taking they're, advantage they, of yeah, the yeah. situation. They, they're just anarchists. They're just they're, they're uh, libertarians. Yeah. They, they, they're not fighting for small they're, business. They're just they're clowns. Just idiots. Yeah. But I have heard legitimate business owners, yeah, associations know. on the radio. You know, Jerry yeah. Agar has done a great job and yeah. given him some kudos on, on our show. Of course like Jerry Agar. Uh, of course I do. Yeah, he agrees. Well, I like Jerry uh, Agar also, he, but not on this one. But well, yeah. he pays taxes. <laughs> so, so anyway, we uh, I, I've heard those conversations, and they got legitimate beasts. I, I went to a Walmart yeah. yesterday, and on the sign says, capacity limit, 933 people. <laughs> So how the hell are you telling me I got to close down my little shop that I might have two or three people in there yeah. under controlled conditions that I'm doing a great job managing versus a Walmart that can have a thousand people uncontrolled. And it's basically the Wild West. That's a better condition. That's a, a safer condition. Yeah. I don't believe not for a and, minute. And that's where you lose faith in leadership. I want to yep. go back to the doofus with the Riv uh, uh, restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Yesterday, the last this week, he's commanded the airways and there was. A guy in Scarborough that runs a gym, mm -hmm. and he also defied the order. Yeah. I have real empathy for that guy. Yeah. I have no empathy for the rib guy. And I'll tell you what: the guy that in Scarborough that defied the order, he took the ticket. He's about to be uh, uh, kicked out by his landlord. He owes thirty-five thousand dollars in back rent or whatever. He did it, saying that uh, he did it wearing a mask. 
Yep. He was exercising outside. outside he wanted right. to let five people in. Doofus with the rib store, no mask, hugging and high-fiving, uh, loading people in. It's not that he was trying to stay uh, uh, stay alive. He was just an anti-maxer, completely yep. against the science. I agree that you, you know we've got to uh, live with this thing. We've got to open the economy. We've got to do it with guidance. We have to do it with regulations. We have to do it with enforcement. The problem is, you're right. The way we've been doing it is not working because at the end of 28 days, the virus is still here. If everyone goes back to normal, we're going to be in lockdown again. So we've got to figure out what we got to do. We've got to enforce it. We've got to be consistent. When you were a kid, and I know this because your mother told me, and you <laughs> acted out, you, mother, said, if you keep acting out, you're going to get the back end of yeah. my hand. And you knew that she was serious, and you didn't act out. But if she just said that and nothing ever happened, you'd have no respect for your mother. Yeah. That's where we are right now with government. So even if they do what they're going to have to do and figure out how do we live with this thing, okay, no one is going to follow them because they uh, because there's anarchy in the streets yep. right now. There is the, literally I I lived through the riots in Montreal when the Montreal police went on strike, and literally that was back in oh, that was a long time ago, like fifty <laughs> some odd years ago. And Did you have electricity? <laughs> yeah, 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 we were one of the first on our street to get a flush toilet, but that's another story. But I remember waking up, it was, I believe, a Saturday morning, and hearing that the police were unhappy, and I heard it was a normal, beautiful day, and things were nice and quiet in Montreal, and the 8 o'clock news was the Montreal police day shift did not show up to work. And literally within, I think, two hours, you went from a first world, civilized, gentle society to complete anarchy. Yeah. There was looting, there was shootings, there was, I think, one or two policemen were killed. They had to call in the uh, provincial police, they had to call in the army, and until the police went back on duty, there was anarchy in the streets. I honestly believe, and I'm also a student of history, if we don't get a handle on this right yeah. now, if we don't implement the rule of law, if we don't get come together as Canadians with a common uh, goal, we're in for real trouble yeah. and that we may not be able to recover from. Like, uh, this is serious. This is a moment of truth. I, I agree 100%. And, and you, you hear, uh, you, I mean, you talk to people just like I do, and people are, are openly saying, you know, basically piss on the government. We're doing what the hell we want. I'm not, uh, I'm not isolating. Like, and, and I want to qualify that. Majority of people are saying that with the, with the knowledge that they intend to be responsible. Like myself, I can tell you my mother's coming here for Christmas. She's not sitting at home by herself. She will come here. We've been locked down. My kids are clean. And so we will take those precautions. And I think most people are going to do that. But to your point, I think that that's only going to start. They're only going to accept that for a short time longer. If this, this BS approach continues, they're going to start saying, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm just going to go back to work, do whatever I need to do. Like, I'm not going to lose my house because some idiot in Ottawa who's getting fully paid doesn't seem to be concerned with what's going on in the, in the economy out there. You know, I, I, I'll tell you one more thing before, before I turn it back out to you. I, I, I think this encapsulates some of the stuff you're talking about. Yesterday or the day before, I think it was again on Jerry's show, but he was interviewing, I believe it was the mayor of Mississauga, and I don't want to be, you know, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's who it was, female, and I want to say Bonnie something, yeah. And she was she was on well, the show Amer because... Well, Mayor of Mississauga is Bonnie yeah. Crombie. She's a public figure. So I, I think that's yeah. who he was interviewing, and she had just come forward with some demands or requests for the government to consider, right, consider, um, that would help her business. And basically, trying to play both sides of the fence, trying to show outwardly that, hey, I'm trying to help the little guy, 
but knowing damn well that nothing's going to happen because she's not willing to take the next yeah. step and basically fight for it. And Jerry, to his credit, called her out on it because at some point she was just babbling. And, and he yeah. says, you know, here you are. You're just trying to circumvent the issue. I asked you what, you know, where's the ownership of, of these issues? Who's taking the leadership? And it was silence. And she started, you know, that uncomfortable giggling. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he called her out. He says, this isn't a laughing matter. I, I really, I, I was happy to hear him do that because it's not a, fu- it's not a fucking joke. People yeah. are losing their livelihoods on this, and politicians are sitting there comfortably smug, and in some cases, literally laughing about it. People are looking for leaders, and when there's a leader who they trust, who's communicating honestly with them, okay, and producing results, or maybe the results are we don't know what to do, but this is what we're going to try, and gets the consensus. That's what people are looking for. If you don't have it. People are going to do their own. You know, if I was fall, we're going on vacation, and your family and my family, and I'm following you, and we only have a week, okay? And you get lost, but you don't admit you're lost. By the third day, I might say, Luke, I'm not going to follow you anymore. I'm on my yeah. own. I'm going to yeah. do what I got to do to salvage this vacation for my family. And that's what's happening right now. And that's a shame because what happened is the instant command structure in Ontario, in certainly in the U.S., has broken down. Instant command only works. Leadership only works. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, uh, a high-ranking uh, a police officer friend of ours who's in counterterrorism uh, uh, at the uh, superintendent level once told me, he said, "People, my authority is not based on the epaulets on my shoulders. It's based on the respect that I command from the troops that I lead. Yeah. And that's what leadership is. It's not that I'm the premier, I'm the president, do as I say. It's the fact that you demonstrated that you understand the mission, that you can execute on the mission, and you have the interest of your troops or your constituents uh, at heart. I saw yesterday a clip from the White House with President Trump, who's losing a lot recently. <laughs> yes, but I yes. saw a clip, I don't know if you saw it or some of our listeners saw it, where he was being asked tough questions from the media during a scrum. And the questions were tough because he hasn't been taking any questions. And he blew up and he says, stop it. Don't talk to me this way. Yeah. Do not talk to the president of the United States like this. I agree partially, but he has urged the office. Yeah. Okay? Leaders have to earn the respect. The fact that you're the mayor of Toronto or the premier of Ontario or the president of the U.S., that gives you notice. That gives you a pedestal, but the respect that uh, uh, the office deserves has to be earned. earned He's had it for four years. And I think right now what's happening is people have had it also. We don't respect you. You disparage the office. Now, I don't want to get political with President Trump, but I want to say that's what's happening here. Yeah. And what really disappoints me is I think that uh, Ford, the Premier of Ontario, and even Trudeau, someone I do not like, and I certainly don't like them now with the antics of the last mm-hmm. few months, okay, they started off and got the respect because they were doing the right thing. They haven't been able to maintain the respect. And I'm going to talk about Ford because he's our leader here in Ontario. He's got to get it back together. I think he's the guy that can do it. I think his heart's in the right place. Yeah. But he's got to show some real leadership qualities. He's got to come honest with the people. They've got to coordinate the friggin' messaging with the federal government that the vaccine will be here in January and then it's not going to be here till June. They've got to get this stuff together. Yeah. Like, your friend and my friend Jerry Ager said, no, it was uh, the afternoon guys on News Talk 1010. They say, guys, take it to the back room. Don't have the squabble yeah. where the troops can see it. We've got to see a unified presence. And that's leadership 101. It really yes. is. 
you know what? Right, wrong, and different. Don't let the truth see you sweat. Don't let them see that the general says one thing and the colonel saying something else. That doesn't make people feel confident. And that's exactly where we are right now. And that's a good spot to uh, make sure that we cover up the security aspect of the topic we're, we're talking about today. Because I know we, we both wanted to talk about COVID because it's been such a disaster. And we were thinking before the, the podcast how we're going to tie it into to the to our theme, which is obviously security uh, related uh, to business, um, and so I think that's a good point to segue yeah. into that conversation. So COVID obviously is the topic of interest, but we really are going to be focusing on how have how do we think the government, uh, the leadership, and those emergency management teams how would they manage the situation? What should they be doing? And hopefully pulling some lessons from those real life experiences that we've seen on tv play up for our eyes unfortunately how do we take some of those lessons and translate them into valuable sort of takeaways for our for our business leaders who are listening well yeah and i'm going to say what you said a little bit differently i'm going to let's have this discussion from the point of view that we are the ceo of the company or we're the security consultants who've been hired by the corporation to say how if doug ford was the uh senior vice president of your company managing the COVID response for the company or an emergency response, how has he done? So let's talk about it from that perspective, okay? I, I know that you had some uh, uh, notes or thoughts notes, yeah. you yeah, wanted to structure well, this. So. Let's uh, let's start off with, really, well, let's play it out, right? The, the, the incidents happen. In this case, we've got the COVID, out, COVID outbreak. So the first things you're going to be doing is bringing together your team and a recent audit, um, as, as I'm sure you've read or heard on the news, the allegations are, I don't know if they're factual, but let's say they're allegations. The report, the auditor noted that a 21-person team, emergency management team, uh, has grown to over 500 people. That in itself is a ridiculous, like how do you coordinate 500 people uh, in an emergency management uh, room, a uh, response program? So that's, that's, I think, let's start with that disaster and talk about how do you develop a consistent message or uh, a clear message when you have so many stakeholders at the table? And how do we identify who those stakeholders should be since we're talking about creating that team? Okay, well, for starters, I just want to talk about the recent audit by the Auditor General. That was a hatchet job. That was <laughs> political, and I'll tell you why. You, you there, There's a process in emergency management called conducting an AAR, which is an after-action Action. review. And that came out of the, it was developed by the United States military during Vietnam. And what it was, was after every encounter they had in Vietnam, battle that they had, they would sit back and they would look at in a non-judgmental way, what do we do right? What did we do wrong? Okay, so that they can identify if we're doing it right, let's sustain that. What are we going to do to sustain it? If we did something wrong, let's address why we did it wrong. It wasn't to get people in trouble. Yeah. But the important, uh, the acronym is important after action review because they realized while the battle was underway is not the time yeah. to pick it apart. The problem I have with what the Auditor General did was I think it's something that had to be done, but not while the war was raging. Yeah. Having said that, though, I think that uh, she brings up a really good point. And again, if we were assessing their performance, if we're the consultants that were called in to uh, assess their performance, I would say if you look at the instant management system model that's used in Ontario or the instant command system, which is used in many places throughout North America, it starts off with the emergency management team. And the emergency management team is not comprised of 500 people. 
there might be 500 people in the organization mm-hmm. overall. The emergency management team is an executive team, which basically has an instant command component, a communications component, a logistics component, an operations component, administration component, and so on. And these are the and underneath each one of these leaders, these five or six or seven executive leaders, there are teams of experts that are funneling it up. What the auditor seems to suggest is, and if it's true, is very problematic, is that at the table is you've got 500 people. That just creates a lot of noise, yeah. almost like listening to a podcast between you and me, <laughs> where we're just going back and forth uh. and a lot of yelling and screaming going on. That is not an effective way to do things. And I, I think that's the first uh, critique I would have in that they lost track of the structure. Instant ma- emergency management under the instant management system model or the instant command system model is predicated on a framework, a structured framework, and not losing control, not panicking, staying tr- true to the process. So the first grade I would give them would be a fair because while they, at the beginning, they were staying true to the process, it seems that everyone is panicking now and the process is breaking and falling apart. And anyone that is schooled in emergency management, I think they, they would understand what I'm saying and I suspect they would agree with me. You're well, schooled in emergency management. What do you think? I would say, I would, I would grade them less than fair because I don't see ownership and, and the, those models, both models speak to the need for an incident commander, someone who is the ultimate decision maker who should be either the premier or the or the prime minister. And when you hear those guys talking, they're not taking responsibility. They're deflecting. It's the doctors who made the decision. It's the mental, uh, the health authority that's making the decision. So I don't see the ownership of, of the structure coming into place. They're, they're, they're all finger pointing. And that, to me, is a failure of the system, understanding well, the system. Listen, Premier Ford says that the buck stops with me. He also says he listens to the inputs and he makes a decision. That's the way it's supposed to be now. Whether that's just talk, empty talk or not, that's why I give him fair because he says he takes the responsibilities. But having said that, there's got to be consequence. You know, we can look back at the prime minister when he did blackface and all the stupid things he's done over time. And he goes, so many to keep track of. That's what I was going to say. And he looks (laughs) at the camera and he says, sorry. Well, that's only part of it. Okay. What is the consequence of your action? If there's no consequence, then it it, it is meaningless. Well, he gets reelected in this he, country. Well, you know, but <laughs> get what we deserve. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but I would say the first thing, if if the Ontario government or the federal government was working as part of the crisis team of a company, that's the first thing that I'd say wrong is the structure. It started off right, but it's wrong because what you have to do is you have to reassess, you have to make decisions. Yep. Uh, you have to have an operational period, and then you've got to follow through on those decisions. I mean, I, I, I'll pick on the city of Toronto for a second. I cannot tell you how many times I have uh, sweared at the TV when the mayor was on after a weekend, or I was about to kick it. And my wife says, can't kick it. We just spent $4,000 on the TV, so I kicked the cat instead. Okay. No, I didn't kick the cat. I love the cat. But when he would say uh, back in July and then in August and then in September that no tickets were issued, no charges were laid, we were doing education. I don't know what education, what does that look like in October to say, Mr. Cedroni, in case you hadn't heard, there is a pandemic and we do have a uh, uh, emergency response plan. There is no more education. There's no more time. It's like saying that the war has started. Let's talk. 
There's no time to talk. Yeah. First you stop the bullets, then you talk about peace. So that drives me crazy, and that's another yeah. epic failure. And if they were doing this for the company that I was critiquing, I'd say, stop that nonsense, stop that bullshit. Make a decision, follow through on the decision. Yeah. And that that's that's exactly the problem. Uh, it was comical to me uh, two weeks ago now when you know the mayor, the mayors of Brampton and Toronto, absolutely, and Doug Ford as well, sat on TV talking about how dire the situation was, how we absolutely need to bring things under control, and it's so important that we take action on a Friday. The announcements made, but by the way, these all take effect on Monday. If it's that dear, then they should be taking effect today. And don't give me the bullshit about, well, stores need to prepare. Really? Do they really need to prepare? What was the difference for the stores to, to have to prepare for the Monday closure? The mom and pop shops that got screwed. That's about it. But it was business as usual for the big, big, big chains. And, you know, that's the other thing. I, as a side discussion, you know, the, their their cop-out or their argument was like H, uh, Hudson's Bay Center with uh, Pusatanos being opened downstairs. Well, it's very difficult to close all the other floors. Yeah, bull. you, That's bullshit. bullshit. Excuse my you, French. But you've been through that, that the story. Path. But well, the, the path. path. And they just close it off, right? We walk through there every morning. That's right. That's yeah, bullshit. so it's all I, bullshit. I fell off my chair when I heard it that. It was hilarious to hear that. As a former security leader in the financial district, yeah. you, uh, you as the chairman of PathCom, okay, which is the path security strategy, that was just ridiculous. I got to tell you something, what you talked about, like uh, the premier saying, the situation is dire, therefore, uh, effective Monday at midnight or Sunday at midnight, we're closing down the city. Words matter. Words matter. He should have said the situation is serious, so we're going to move into the next step, and uh, in 48 hours, we're closing down. That would have been okay. But when you say it's dire, yeah. what is worse than dire? Dire means that the man is coming at you with a knife. So do something in the next 48 hours. No, you got a nanosecond. It's dire. That is different than that the crowd is angry. And if you don't do something in a timely basis, they may turn on you. The clock starts ticking differently based yep. on the words you use. So words matter. So the second point I would say if, if we were critiquing this client is choose your words carefully. Absolutely. If the, if the action is to shut down or go into the next phase, if it's dire, it's dire. You, you, you know. Like, the thing that kills me is guidance versus the law. When you tell me that I shouldn't drink and drive, that's different than telling me I can't drink and drive. Because yeah. if I shouldn't, it's up to me. If you tell me I can't, no, no, there's going to be a dire yeah. consequence, an immediate consequence. So I never really understood when they said we should wear a mask, okay? Yeah. Either wear a mask or don't wear a mask, or the thing that really drives me crazy that I'm going to give the federal government marks on is if you've got a COVID uh, app, that uh, the tracing app, that people are not using, if it's needed to be used to deal with the public health emergency, if you're willing to close a store and put people into bankruptcy, make a law that uh, you don't have to download the app. Rogers is going to put it on your phone automatically. Because you have a right not to be surveilled. That is true. This app, by the way, doesn't surveil you. Mm -hmm. But you don't have a right to have a cell phone. If you think that's a problem, then get rid of your cell phone. Because your cell phone, when you walk around, is registering the uh, IAEM number mm -hmm. on every server you come across at Starbucks, at McDonald's. You can't turn that off. That's just the design of it. If you don't want that, do what Bin Laden did. He didn't want the CIA tracking him. 
So he stopped using a cell phone. That means he used a carrier pigeon and he would use notes. So that means the messages weren't instantaneously. But he didn't have a right to have a cell phone that wasn't traceable. So that's the other thing, okay? If really we are in a public health emergency, if you're willing to close down a mom and pop and put them into bankruptcy, but you're not willing to compel the cell phone carriers to automatically use your, your tracking app, which I think they should, by the way, mm-hmm. then it's this lack of consistency that it's okay to put me out of business, but because there's some redneck that says, I don't want to be tracked by the government when they're not being tracked and they're probably using Google and Google knows everything they're yeah. doing. It's ridiculous. Okay. And, and, and that even me, who am a law and order guy and I want to follow government, they make it really hard to do. And that's another fail. Be consistent in your action. Reevaluate your actions. If you make a decision, make it because it's a decision that needs to be done. And if you made a mistake, be honest and admit it and then recalibrate. And if it's the right thing to do, take the flack. It's not about a popularity contest. No. contest. You know, in a democracy, everyone says uh, it's a democracy. People don't know what a democracy is. A democracy isn't that we have a plebiscite, we have a referendum every time a decision's to made. That referendum happens once every four years. We elect the government, we empower them to make decisions on our behalf. With that, uh, and the same thing, I choose to work with company ABC. I'm going to follow the policies of company ABC because I think they're going to do the right thing. I think they're going to make money, they're going to uh, take care of the employees and the stakeholders, and it's going to be a viable business. Once I realize that you're no longer doing the right thing, I'm no longer going to follow them. That's the fail. That's the third fail that I see with the way this is handled. And if this was a business, uh, and I, again, was a consultant, I would say, you have to fix this. You can't continue making these mistakes. Because there's going to come to a point where people, your suppliers, when you tell the supplier, don't worry, the check's in the mail. That's okay. But after 90 days of the check not being received, the supplier is going to just say, to hell with you. Yeah. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to sue you. You've lost your credibility. Well, we're fast, quickly getting to that point. Yeah. And I, and I think you talk about words being important. I don't think I've ever heard any level of government refer to to their direction as, as direction of any sort. It's always been guidance, federal guidance, provincial guidance, the doctor's guidance. So to your point, when I hear guidance, it's a guide. You can or you can't. You do or you don't, you have the flexibility, you have the option. And that's a problem in itself, right? Because that's the perception it gives to people. It is Just ridiculous. tell them, you must wear it, period. Or you don't wear it, one or the other. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this thing when Doug Ford or the mayor of Toronto says, I have confidence, okay, the pe- in the people of Ontario yes. <laughs> that this is the right thing. All I got to say is, I thank God, you know, my work in public safety, my wife being a police officer, I come from a, a family of, of, of public servants and police officers. We have paid, we've put kids through university, we've paid off mortgages because people don't do the fucking right thing. That's the reality. So for my leaders to say when a time like this goes on, okay, that people, they have faith, they don't. And that's the first mistake, okay? People don't do the right thing. So stop giving guidance. Either say that we need to do this or we don't. Because, again, if people do the right thing, I'm sure people aren't going to drink and drive, Luke, honestly. So oh, we yes. don't have to worry. And I'm sure that Marco Musso is going to do the right thing. Of and course. next time that he has a uh, a stag party in Las Vegas, he's not going to wipe out a family. I'm sure. Because I have confidence. in Bullshit. It, I don't usually swear. But that <laughs> the, 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 stop the political babble and the niceness, okay? 
we're in a war right now. You, you know what? Stop or I'll shoot. The enemy nowadays smiles and says, go ahead and shoot. Yeah. Kamikaze pilots during World War II said, I'm not worried about your bombs. I'm dying on this mission anyways. I'm taking you with me. Yeah. This is serious. And we're in a fight for survival. The business is in a fight for its survival. Get it right or you won't be here to conduct business. And I, th I think, you know, the, the underlying tone for, for a lot of... You know what, what really concerns me is this, that I hear a lot of what the press is saying. And I think, you know, not to get off track too much, but they have a role to play. All the messaging comes through the press. They've taken a lot of heat with the elections and how they've been managing the... Uh, the the COVID uh, issues as well, but this is an opportunity for them to get the clarity and deliver that messaging to people. And I don't see that either. I, I I hear like I hear some of the Canadian stations talk about how you know everything's just great. It's just this one or two guys that aren't doing a good thing, and and that everyone else is on board, and everyone else is going to support government direction. I don't believe that for a second. I think they're way off base. And the fact that they're going down that type of messaging just pisses those other people off even more. Because it just shows you how disconnected the two worlds are from each other. The reality of people struggling to put food on the table to make ends meet. And then this press making it sound like, oh, it's all, everyone's holding hands and we're all in it together like the government wants us to be. But we're not. And if you ignore it, you're just setting yourself up for big trouble. My late dear mother, who is a <laughs> saint, was Hungarian. And uh, she never, never hit us or hit me, never struck me. But when she got mad, she would look at me, and you would see the anger and the seriousness. And in Hungary, in Hungarian, uh, a wooden spoon. The word for wooden spoon is fuckinau. Now, it for a kid that doesn't speak Hungarian, an English kid, okay, fuckinau sounds like some other word yep. type thing. And she would say, you do, and I'm going to get the fuckinau. And it was an implied threat. She gave me guidance not to do it, but I knew she would have carried it out. Now, you know what? At this point in my life, I don't think she would have. She was an angel. But I thought she would have carried it yeah. out, and it kept me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. The government's got to get out the fucking owl and tell people, if you don't do the guidance, there's a consequence to the to, to the lack of yeah. – there, there has to be you know risk-reward. There has to be consequence to action. Otherwise, you've lost control. And I was going to say the difference between, you know, the needs of the collective sometimes have to outweigh the needs of the individual. The collective have needs now. And, and, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say you have to wear a mask if you want to go into the store. You don't have to wear a mask in your house. You don't have to wear a mask if you're walking on the street. But you do have to. And if you don't want to wear the mask, that is your right. But you don't have a right to go in the store. We've got to get serious with this stuff, and there has to be consequence. <laughs> We've gone so far to the uh, to the side of looking out for every individual's right to yeah. do whatever the hell they want that we can't go back at this point without a, a push. And maybe COVID is going to be that push to get us back into sanity. I think when we're talking about business, how it relates back to business, this government in particular, you know, we talked about the crafting of the message needs to be clear, needs to be concise simple to follow they have to be consistent in that messaging what about timing how many what do you think about all these press conferences like some of them are doing it every day at a certain time and, and to be to be honest you just get sick of listening to the same old thing i'm of the opinion if you don't have anything new to report you know within a reasonable time obviously you don't go five six days without saying anything but every hour every every day every 12 24 hours saying the same thing gets 
quite frankly boring and and uh, you know discouraging. People just get it's going to be the same old crap, so they start to ignore it, even if you have something to say. What are your thoughts on on, on t- what timing should look like for for someone involved in in an emergency of this type of sort, where you don't know where that end game is going to be? It could be months, days, or you may hopefully not a year, but you know it could be an extended period of time that you're required to maintain oversight, management, and messaging. What? How do you develop a, a good timing, a sense of timing? I, I think it's important. <laughs> you, you've got to speak when you have something to say. But I think it's important that people know that the phone has not been disconnected, that on regular intervals you should speak. And maybe the message is, no new information at this time. At least you know that they're still there. And an example I can give you was we had a situation in one of our buildings where there was a concern, a threat of an active attacker. And the message went out over the PA system to shelter in place that there's a suspicious person. And then uh, five minutes later, there's a message. The police are on site, so people are hiding under the desk. Police and security found the person. It wasn't an active attacker. It was a misunderstanding. So there was no more messaging. Okay. The problem was, because of the two or three previous messages, because people were hiding under the desk, they were still hiding under the desk at the end of the day. Because no one told them the emergency was over. So my point is that I think regular messaging is important, but you either have something to say or the message is there is no new information. But the reason you've got to do it regularly, daily, weekly, every two days, is so people know that you haven't forgotten about them. The detailed messages, you know, I used to look forward every day to the premier's message, but it became the same old, same old. So I think the message has to be out there. But it depends on who your audience is. If your audience are the people of Canada, the people of Ontario, then there's got to be something meaningful. Or maybe say the premier will not be addressing the the province today because there is no new information. Or there'll be a technical briefing for the media at this time. they got to do a better message, not only at crafting the message, but directing who the audience of the message is. They've done a terrible job with that. And and I would I would relate that directly to business owners as well because I I can tell you there were examples I'm sure you have as well I I used to review emergency response plans communication plans for for property teams and and businesses and there were more than you know it was more than a handful of times where where you read right into the contracts of some of the 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 contracts between the property owners and or the property manager and the tenants where the property owner would commit. To, you know, we're going to message you every five minutes or we're going to message you, uh, you know, as soon as the incident happens. And they were trying to like, you have to be careful how you set the expectation. You know, and my pushback to them was, first of all, why would you even commit to a time limit as yeah. to when you're going to respond? Because you don't know what that incident is. Your That's guards right. could be dealing with a massive disaster that takes, you know, 13 hours to for them to get under control. The last thing they need to worry about is picking up the phone and calling the tenant and say, hey, you know, the building's on fire. If you haven't yeah. figured that out, there's a problem. And the other the other part of that is uh, the, the the recurring messaging that you were talking about, which is absolutely important to, to remind them that, yes, we're still on top of it. You know, maybe you do it every hour, maybe you do it every hour and a half. But again, being careful as a business owner to commit to something that's yes. unrealistic. You're not the news, first of all. You're not yeah. a news service. Yeah. So there is an onus on your tenants and your customers to take accountability for their yes. own safety and security and figuring out what's right so you don't want to be the guy bringing the news or them relying on you for that but you also don't want to create that false sense of you know every five minutes i'm going to report in you might be busy as hell for the next 15 20 minutes so why would you put that that expectation on your team why would you set them up for failure because that's ultimately what's going to happen then you start that whole ball of 
losing confidence in what you're saying, the delivery gets off off topic, messaging gets lost, and things start to fall apart. Yeah, you're right. But I got to tell you, if we look at uh, uh, two examples, the U.S. example and the Kane example, okay, and we bring it back to your business now, what you do during a crisis in the business, I think regular, regularly scheduled message sessions, whether you've got something to say or not, I mean, if you've got nothing to say, it's, it's 30 seconds. If you have something to say, it could be an hour type thing. But if you look at in Canada, we know that Doug Ford at the beginning was on every morning at 11. Now I think he's 1.30 or 3 o'clock yeah, every yeah. single day. So it's predictable. And then I can choose whether, you know, based on what I you talked about, the importance of tenants to, we're not a news service, to follow the news so that they're aware of what the situation is. I decide which days I'm going to listen to Doug Ford and which days yeah. I'm not, based on what's happening in the world or in Ontario. I used to listen to him religiously. I, I do it sparingly right now or as I need. But if I... Uh, Compare that to the Americans, okay, with the president. You went from a daily brief to a periodic brief to where there's been no brief in the last little while. So people just don't know what to expect. They don't know where to look. So in emergency management, I would tell clients is you, you need a messaging strategy. Don't waste people time. But just say if you're looking for information, you know that it will be available at this time, 1 o'clock every Monday or 1 o'clock every day, or whatever the case may be. And then be true to that. If the message is there's nothing to report, then it's a 30-second briefing. Yeah. But people need predictability. It's like raising a child uh, or uh, training a pet. You need consistency. Because unless you have consistency, you're not going to have compliance. You're not going to have uh, cooperation. And I think that's a big fail. That, that, absolutely. And, and that brings me to my last point uh, that I think – business owners need to to be aware of it it's it should be an automatic but all too often we we sort of fall back on our on our uh, tendencies to to wait or uh, remain stagnant you know things start to happen people freeze uh, so what am i talking about it's really the ability for your communications and your emergency management response to be uh, flexible and adaptable to the conditions so to your point with the with the communications you know, you're right. Okay, maybe an hour a day works today or for the next week. You might have to change that to an hour, you know, every 15 minutes if things start to develop that quickly. Or you may change it to once a week. So depending on what's happening out there, what's happening in the environment, you have to be flexible and account for those changing conditions. You can't stick with plan A if plan A no longer works and things have migrated over to plan B, C, or D. And that I think is very important that a lot of businesses forget that you need you know that plan is is just a plan at the end of the day it's a guidance document going back to those words matter right it is a guide those emergency yeah. response plans are guides things don't go according to plan and as the you know general eisenhower said right the, the first plan fails at the at the at first contact right yeah and then you're winging it but it still gives you a guidance on uh, you know what you need to consider what you need to be aware of as you move forward and all those factors are variable you know, it's sage advice, which surprises me because it's coming from you, but it's sage <laughs> advice for business owners, but it's also sage advice for podcast hosts, Mr. Sedoni. <laughs> you, one of your biggest things, you and I have been at each other's throat over for the last several months, is that they keep changing their mind. Well, you just said you got to be flexible and adaptable, and you've got to change as the situation changes. Yep. I've always maintained, it's not that they keep changing their mind. The situation changes and they're trying to adapt. They have screwed up on the messaging, perhaps, 
people, but also, and they screwed up with the fact that people are going to hear what they want to hear. And I don't think they've managed it right. So the fact that they're changing is not the issue in my mind. The fact is the, the, the messaging strategy has been weak. Not that the messages are bad. The strategy has been weak. So well, put that in your pipe and smoke well, it. Okay, so yeah, you're right. But let me tell you this. <laughs> okay, they've changed, but they haven't changed in a in a reason in, in a reasonable way or 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 a common sense sort of a, a approach. And what do I mean by that? Take Mass for example. Our illustrious uh, head of medical there at Tam, who I'm not a big fan of her. At the start of it, she said Mass did nothing. Okay, because and it did we, nothing then. Okay, and then we found out that things changed, and to her credit, okay, well, we should start wearing masks. And that has subsequently become, you got to wear three masks, three-layer masks, because they're more effective than one layer. And then she followed that up with the with the classic, uh, you know, wear masks while you're having sex with your wife or your girlfriend. <laughs> and then it, at that point, it's no longer consistent, valuable messaging. It becomes almost comedic. And in fact, you know, there were shows, I think Saturday Night Live did a freaking take on that, because it just yeah. sounded so absurd. Right, like we're not freaking children. Wear a mask, and that's the end of it. Now you got to tell what's next. Wear blue masks because they're more effective than red masks, right? Like that's that's sort of the, the, the issue I take with with them. It's you have to adapt. Absolutely, conditions change. But when you start making it, when you make it sound like it's a freaking game, or you don't really know what you're talking about, and that's what it really comes down to. I think they they don't really know what they're talking about, and that's not a that's not a shot at them in the sense that yeah, it's a new virus. We're all learning. But you got to take that into consideration. As a leader, you got to take that into consideration in your messaging as well, because the people out there, they know even less than you, and you're supposed to be the head doctor. So and if you're confused, what does that say to everybody well, else? And you know what? I'm going to give her, because I'm not a doctor. I'm, she probably was right when she talked about one mask to three mask type thing. But where she's wrong is the failure in that someone on that communication team should have gauged the pulse of the public. That the public was getting fatigued, the public was getting confused. Someone should have said, "Dr. Tam, we finally got them wearing one mask. Now we're telling them three masks. We're saying with sex. Is it really necessary to dilute the message? Yeah. One mask is better than no mask because you wanted three masks, and now we have no mask, or we we have re yeah. rebellion. That's the failure. It's not the messaging per se. It's the strategy. It's thinking, who am I messaging? Okay." What is their appetite to receive new information? And people are just getting beaten up. They're confused. And someone smarter than me, because I'm not a communication specialist, mm -hmm. should have said, hey, what, are, what is the end game? What is the mission? The mission is to get them to wear a mask. It's not to get three masks for five masks. We want them to get masks. We want to socialize them to the importance to masks and then wean them to three if necessary or two or, or wearing it during sex or whatever the case may be. That's where it's been an epic failure. And, you know, uh, problematic continues to be there still has not been learning there isn't an appreciation or sensitivity to the fatigue that's out there how best to get the message and just because three ma uh, masks might be the right thing to say i don't think the public right now wants to hear well, it so yeah. what is the minimum we can get away with that we need and i think that's the failure and that would be i guess the the, the last big x i would have put on their response it's salvageable but the clock is ticking and again i you know I would bus tell has left the station. I the think bus left the station. You can run after it. It's not yet on the 400 series highway, and it's stopping yeah. red lights along the way. But it's getting close to that on ramp, and they got to get their stuff together sooner or later because otherwise, you know what? The projections, uh, the worst case projections, whole country. Look, this will end, but we can get. It's like I say, going to England. We can go there via the Atlantic, or we can go there via the Pacific. One way is easy. One way is hard. 
If England is, there will be an end. There will be an end. I just want it to be as painless as possible and as soon as possible. So with that, I'm going to start moving towards closure, Brian. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to give you a bit of credit. You know, you said something there that really does bug me because you, you assume, as the public assumes, that, uh, you know, they're the experts. And on paper, you're right. They are the experts. But look at the cluster that they've created, the so-called experts. And don't underestimate the value of people like yourself who... You know, we've ran big buildings, we've dealt with serious and major incidents, and we've been able to message it properly. We've gone through that that experience. So we've got the we've got the actual scars and and experience on the ground level. We don't have a we may not have a certification, whatever the hell those guys call themselves. But at the end of the day, I think we've done a better job of, of handling some crises than they're doing right now. So I wouldn't discount that expertise. And, uh, you know, for those listeners who want to take advantage of that, obviously, they know, they know where to reach you. But in summary, um, I think the takeaways for this, for our business leaders, when it comes to crisis management, you got to be careful about how you're crafting that message. You got to remember that it needs to be clear, consistent. Timing is important. Don't over communicate. Don't under communicate. You got to figure out what that sweet spot is. Um, and obviously, it matters as to who you put in charge, who you bring to the table, who are your stakeholders. And we've had that conversation in a previous episode as well, identifying the people who come to the table with the authority to make decisions, not pass them off on somebody else. So that emergency management team is effective and, and doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and lastly, as we talked, uh, touched on at the end was, you know, the need for that team to be flexible and adaptable to, to what the conditions are, because they're going to change and you have to be prepared to, to pivot, as they like to say. That's the other thing before I sign off that really pisses me off. All these freaking trendy tent, trend uh, taglines that the government just insists on having that are just becoming ridiculous. It's no longer flatten the curve. Now we're going to bend the curve. When are we going <laughs> to call it to hammer the curve? And like, It's just stupid. Talk to people like they're goddamn adults, and then they'll react like goddamn adults. And that's my final point. I'm going to turn it over to you before we sign off. Yeah, listen, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, all I just want to say is that uh, we've been through a lot, but, you know, we will get through this. There are better days ahead. Uh, using cliche sayings, there is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there is a vaccine around the corner, another uh, corner reference. Uh, I, I just tell our listeners, uh, don't lose faith. Uh, I think the spring and summer is looking better. Just stay safe. Get through Christmas. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to be the last guy. They've called an armistice to the war. It's over at 11 o'clock. You don't want to be that guy that gets shot and killed at 1055. We've been through a lot. We're almost at the end. Just stay safe, folks. And on that note, we'll talk to you next time, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye-bye, everyone. That concludes this podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and will join us in a couple of weeks for our latest episode. Please remember to like and follow us on our sponsor's webpage, brianclayman.com, where you can leave us your comments and suggest topics you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and don't forget to protect your assets.